Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Retirement Readiness Podcast. Uh, joining me today is Dave Cobb, a local realtor here in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, and our episode today is all about investing in retirement, uh, which is why investing in real estate, rather, uh, in retirement, which is why I thought it was great to have an expert with us. Uh, also, as you probably know or have noticed in previous episodes, Katie, my co-host, is very pregnant right now. And so uh, she's due in, in a couple of days. So it's a great time for us to, Dave, you and I, to sit down and kind of chat a little bit. Sounds great. I'm excited. Yeah. And the studio is fantastic. It's beautiful. Excited to be here. Oh, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, thanks for mentioning. You know, this is our first time in the new studio. Uh, that some people may have saw us on uh, out on some of our socials as we were building it. Me and Alex, my brother-in-law, did it, and so we're happy. Came out pretty well. Fantastic. These chairs are so comfortable. <laughs> I'm ready to have a nice conversation, <laughs> and maybe not even want to leave. Yeah. So comfy. Yeah. Well, as long as we uh, as long as we don't bring in coffee or beer or something like that, right? For so, sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So tell us as we get started uh, a little bit about your family. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I am uh, married. My wife is uh, Kristen. We live in Frankfurt. Uh, We've lived in Frankfurt probably for the past, I guess now, it's probably like 10 plus years. I'm originally from the Lincoln Way area. Um, I've got three three children. Uh, uh, Jack, my oldest, is 24. He lives up in Milwaukee. Um, And Maddie is 16, uh, newly uh, licensed and driving. Yeah, like he, I think he said before, like uh, we need to look out because Grace, my sixteen-year-old, also got her licensed, and and so I'm wondering. We live in a cul-de-sac. Dave happens to live across the street from me. Yep. And uh, it'll be interesting if we get bumper cars going in the cul-de-sac as they're getting to, heading to school and all that kind of stuff, right? For sure. Stay off the roads, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. no, no. She's she's doing well. Uh, I've done all the all the driving with her, so I know she's you know prepared. Although the more they drive, the better. But but anyway, and then Charlie, my my sweet Charlie. Uh, he's my youngest. Uh, he just started sixth grade just yesterday and, uh, and he's in Boy Scouts and he's doing great. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's kind of cool, uh, it, for, for our listeners who maybe aren't from our immediate area, the Lincoln way area is about 35 minutes South side of Chicago, uh, Southwest suburbs. Uh, and so Dave, in your background, this is really kind of where your expertise is and, and you know, this market extremely well, uh, and, but but I would think that the things that we're going to talk about really are kind of pan this market, right? And they're, they're things that we can take uh, all over the place. 100%. Yeah. And yeah, for us, you talk about Jack being up in Milwaukee. We were lucky enough uh, this past Labor Day weekend, we were up there as, as a lot of our folks know. Uh, my daughter Lily lives up there with her husband too. Yeah. And this is the first time uh, – that we actually spent time on the river, which I don't really think of when we're up there. So we mm-hmm. just south of Milwaukee is the third ward, and we love that area. We spend a lot of time there. Yeah. And I drive over the river. I never really think about doing activities. Mm-hmm. And we rented some kayaks and went kayaking mm-hmm. on the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, found a place that uh, was outside of the city where we could sit and have some nice dinner. Yeah. And it was it was really kind of a cool experience for us. Love Milwaukee. Uh, haven't haven't explored the river yet. I've seen it. That's definitely on the list of things to do, but Milwaukee is a great town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we agree. We, we've we talked many times uh, that if Andrew and Lily end up having kids there, I could very easily see Sarah and I having a place and you know spending some time there as well because it's such a fun city. For sure. For, it, it, it's got a lot to it, big city, but yet you don't feel like you're swallowed up and it's too big, yeah. you know? Um, uh, love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, – and so as we as we kind of transition into our next segment, which we call mailbag, yeah, uh, you know, we had the is for those who may not be familiar with it. If you have a question, you want us to answer it, 
You can leave comments on any of our videos or our social posts. Uh, you can send us an email at info at pv-wp.com uh, and ask whatever questions you want, and we'll we'll pull it from the mailbag and, and answer it. Uh, so the the question we had this time really had to do with IRAs. Uh, Dave, I don't know how much background you have, but in the as people get older and they have retirement accounts, they have to take distributions out. Uh, they're called required minimum distributions, and what can happen is uh, once you pass a certain age, you can actually choose to give that money to charity as opposed to taking it yourself. And so the question was uh, that the uh, listener had heard about changes to the minimum required distribution rules uh, and and wondered how that affect their ability to give to charity as well. And uh, so what that what that really entails is it used to be that your minimum required distribution age was age 70 and a half. That means the age in which you had to start taking some of your money out of those plans. Uh, the government changed that, or the and now you don't have to start taking it out until you're age 73. So that's probably what you're reading about. There's been a lot of press about that uh, here in the last couple of months. Um, however, you can still do those charitable distributions uh, direct to charity starting at age 70 and a half. So uh, whoever wrote that in, thank you for mm. for asking. Uh, know that minimum distribution age has changed to age 73, and uh, you can still do your qualified charitable distributions uh, starting at age 70 and a half. And, and those, again, mean you give the money directly to your charity, bypassing the need to pay any income tax on it on it at all. So great question. I learned something new today. Well, good. Hopefully I'll learn something new as we start talking a little bit about real estate. We shall and, see. Uh, <laughs> and, and what that looks like in retirement. I'll do my best. Uh, yeah. And so uh, as we talked kind of at the outset of the show, you know, first time in the new studio, uh, we still have some equipment that's coming. So you'll see this kind of as a work in process along the way. So that's why we're kind of holding our remotes. Or Old our, school. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, we've talked many times. Katie uh, has always said that she wanted to have a mic that was like, uh, I don't know, all kinds of, I'm going to call it bedazzled, you know, kind of yeah. all kinds of stuff on oh, it. You yeah. know? And, and I kept saying that I would like to have a mic that I could hang from my neck like Flava Flav, you know, like his clock. <laughs> and so uh, we're, we're getting closer to that maybe by holding them in hand. But Yeah, or like the 80s. Remember those microphones back in the 80s with the, the long cylinder and then a little little microphone on top? Yeah, yeah. Bob yeah. Barker. Bob Barker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Price is right. Yeah. This works great. I'm, yep. uh, this works just great. Perfect. So thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about uh, investing in real estate. You know, yeah. uh, give me kind of some of your background. Does that something that you deal with a lot? Are there uh, lots of people that do that type of investing? You know, a lot of people hear, "Oh, I should buy real estate." You know, just kind of give it so your background a little bit and what you think your your take is on. Yeah. So uh, we just sell. We just celebrated my my twentieth year in real estate here. So um, most of the clientele I work with are past clients referrals. And I think probably the biggest thing that, you know, clients will look for, at least for me, is just advice, you know, advice on if they're looking to sell or, or buy. But in regards to investment properties, that's something that, you know, clients will call me and ask, you know, uh, location, price point, what's the market like? So a lot of different things that I think I can answer and give them advice on whether, you know, where where's a good place to buy? When is a good place to you know to to do that? So yeah, okay. all sorts of different avenues with yeah. that. And when people think about investing uh, in real estate, are they thinking about kind of like that speculative? Hey, this is going to be a hot 
place and I'm going to buy it and see the price go up. Uh, is that the only way you make money doing it, or you know how do they how does rental property work? Can you give me some flavor? You know what do people look for? Yeah, I, I think you know the one thing that you can't do that I've learned is you can't really time the market. You you, you can't you you can't time it to you know, well, I'm going to buy, everybody wants to buy low and sell high, right? Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to time that, you know, at least perfectly. Uh, you can make, you know, you can buy in a, in a, in a, in a decent buyer's market, but, but timing it is really, is really difficult. Um, and, and I tell clients this all the time that, you know, there are good deals to be bought. I'm obviously location, location, location is important with real estate, but there are, there are good deals to be had in any marketplace. The key is really, you know, finding that property, um, you know, getting it at at a good price, and knowing what you know what the return is going to be for you once you purchase that property. Sure. And so, when I'm thinking, I'm thinking right now uh, to kind of put this in a into context a little bit. We just came out of uh, mortgage rates that were extremely low. We're now probably more historically close to what they they have been over right. long periods of time, right. uh, but it feels really high. Right. You know, we're we're seeing mortgage rates in that six seven percent range. Yeah. Uh, how does that affect my ability to go out and and buy a home? Is that are, are you seeing that? And when I say home, it could be a rental home, or it could be an industrial property, it could be you know really anything that I want to invest in. Uh, what are you seeing in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean. I think a lo- there's a lot of factors that affect our market, interest rates being one of them, lack of inventory being another one. You know, there's there's not a lot of available properties. So when homes do hit the market, they tend to sell. At the end of the day, you know, I've learned that, you know, people have to sell, you know, for a number of reasons, you know, or or buy. Uh, you know, you're getting married, you want you want to invest for your future. Again, you can't time that market. It comes down to uh, you know, what's the price point, the location, and, you know, if I'm going to rent it, what what kind of rent can I get for that property? What's the return going to be? Sure. And so if I hear you right, uh, I shouldn't I shouldn't necessarily be in that mode of saying, oh, well, you know, prices are really high right now. I should wait a year before I do this. Uh, really, you can find a good value uh, in, in virtually any market. 100%. 100%. Um, you need good guidance, good 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 advice. Obviously, that's important. Um, just like in your business, you need good advice, um, and, and and you need opportunity. You need you need you know uh, someone to locate that property for you. And again, there's good deals to be had no matter what the market is like. And so, I've, a lot of times, as we talk to our clients, uh, especially as they look at retirement, they're thinking about how do I generate an income, and you know, so it's really kind of looking at that rental income coming in, and we'll many times go through math with them that says, well, here's what we think we can get in a different investment, here's what we can get inside of a, re, a uh, real estate investment, and let's kind of compare those two. How do you ever have those kind of conversations? And and what would your thought be? And what how do I establish what's fair rent and uh, what can I charge type of a thing? Uh, or is that not not part of your purview? No, that's definitely something that because if somebody comes to me and says, "Dave, I'm considering getting an investment property," you know, you know, and I've had clients like that that say, hey, "We want to buy an investment property," and I'll say, well, "Let's sit down and kind of look at the whole picture," because yeah. I mean, you want to buy something, you're qualified, but what are you going to be able to rent it for? You know, what's that rental market looking like? 
Um, you know, what's the inventory? Uh, so there's a lot of factors that go into that. And then at the end of the day, you know, what, what, what am I going to be able to get for it per month? Yep. And does that make sense for what I'm going to buy and what my goals are? For sure. So there's a lot of factors that go into it uh, that are important. Yeah. And, and as I think about that, uh, you know, I, I've always thought about this and maybe it's just my, uh, being naive. I've always thought like rental homes or something that I buy in a lower income or a smaller home or that kind of stuff. But I just read something about the kind of a luxury rental home market or, you know, where there are people that are what maybe they're being, uh, moved because of work or something. And there, there's actually a market for, bigger homes too, or tell me a little bit about that. Is that accurate or, or did I misread that? Yeah. I, I would say the general, there is opportunity in, in different price points for sure. Uh, in our general area, let's just say, you know, Chicagoland area, there's not a lot of available rentals. Okay. You know, I have a lot of clients that say, well, I'd like to sell. Uh, okay. What's our plan after we sell? Well, we're, we're not sure. We're thinking about maybe renting short term, until we'll kind of figure out where we want to land, you know, yeah. whether wherever that's be that'll be. But I'll tell them, you know, we need to really look at that rental market because everybody thinks, oh, I'll just get a rental. There's not a ton of them out there. Okay. So it's low inventory on rentals. And it's been like that probably for the past three or four years. Wow. In many different price points in our area. So there's definitely opportunity if somebody wants to to be a landlord. And again, kind of going back to getting, you know, Buying the right property at the right price, and what's their return going to be? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny to say if somebody wants to be a landlord, uh, you know, you've got to, you have to have seen lots of horror stories of people that thought they wanted to be a landlord and, and it just didn't work out real well. Uh, you know, that's one of the things we talk many times with our clients about is, do you want to be getting that call at, you know, ten thirty at night because the toilet stopped up or whatever? Uh, you know, how do people deal with that? Do you mostly see uh, people that handle that themselves, or are there management companies that that I can use that'll help facilitate that? What's your background in that, David? Yeah, I mean that's definitely part of the conversation with a client that is considering looking into an investment property. That's another that's another piece to the puzzle is you know purchasing and what's the return. But you know, yeah, who's going to take care of things when they break? Are you local? Are you handy? Are you going to be handling this? Um, that's an important big factor involved, but there are management companies that can assist with that. Um, uh, that will take a, a piece of the, of the rent and they will take care of any kind of maintenance that's needed over the course of time. So for those clients that aren't handy, or maybe they aren't local, or maybe they just don't want to be bothered at two in the morning, you know, you can hire a management company. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, when you when you do that, do you have any idea? Have you ever had to do that yourself? I mean, is that a pretty big price? I mean, do all of a sudden all the profits that I was going to make from this disappear if I have to have a management company? Or what's your experience there? In our market, in, in the clients that I work with that are doing investments, I would say the majority of them are are, are going to manage it themselves. Yep. You know, but but you know, certainly that's not for everybody. Uh, uh, but it, for the for the most part, they'll want to manage it themselves. You asked me a question; it kind of came in and came out. I, yeah. I kind of I, I didn't totally answer it, so come back to no, your no, question. No, no, you're good. Okay. Uh, and so when uh, when we think about that, it's my as I'm thinking about it, I'm just thinking like if I'm going to maximize this, I probably make more money if I'm doing it myself and not having this management company. But is it, is there still money to be made and have a management company? Hundred uh, percent. If a client says. 
And again, they all kind of goes back to the beginning, which is where's the property I'm going to buy it? What am I going to pay for it? What's the ret- what's the rent or the return I'm going to be able to get on it? So we factor all those things into it. And if you are going to hire a management company, that's got to be factored in. If that if the numbers make sense, yep, it makes sense. I one time I was fortunate uh, growing up. Sarah, her next door neighbor, was a really good businessman. He came from Arkansas, uh, still had that kind of Arkansas drawl to yeah. him. Uh, and he told me one time that Sarah and I were getting married. Uh, he said, uh, Timmy, let me tell you something. If once you get some money saved up, go out and buy yourself a rental house. Uh, he said, if you leave too much cash in the bank, you'll get a, to a point uh, in that cash, you'll never get past it. Whatever the number is, let's say it's your comfort level is $50,000. You get to 50, you're just going to start spending over and you never get past it. He's like, so once you get some money, go buy a rental house. Uh, he said, but always buy a rental house. Don't ever buy multi-unit uh, because if you ever need to unwind, it's way easier to sell a house than it is a, a multi-unit building. Uh, and what's your experience kind of that, that which by the way, I've never done. So it's, I've, I've always thought this was really cool to, to get into this market, uh, just haven't pulled the trigger. So, But tell me about the multi-unit versus single family uh, what's some of your background or what's, what's your experience there, Dave? Yeah. And, and I think that goes back to like whatever that individual client's needs are. Cause again, if you got a client that says, you know, I really don't want to have to handle anything related to the roof or anything related to the, the driveway or anything exterior, um, you know, then, then you would look at maybe something, uh, a multifamily, like a condo or townhome type of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then some are like, Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm not afraid of that because the negative on a on a multifamily is that you got, have to deal with the HOA. There may be some restrictions there. Um, so, you know, and, and then secondarily, if you can, the best advice I would say is single family is the best. That's the best. You can sell that quicker. You can, there's more upside in terms of a, of a profit with the, with appreciation. Um, but again, it just kind of goes back to whatever that individual's needs are. Are sure when they make that decision. Okay, and do you have you seen uh, with the way that the kind of take a uh, left turn here a little bit uh, with the way that I've seen kind of crop prices and stuff? Have you seen anybody really looking to invest in farm ground? I know they're for back probably five years ago or so. I mean that was a really hot thing. You saw farm ground prices going through the roof. What's the, we we live on the edge for for those aren't not familiar with our area. We live on the edge of kind of. South of here, there's a in West. There's a whole lot of farm ground. Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing in that market? Are you seeing anything, or is that not a, an area that you've got a lot of experience? I I would say, just being honest with you, it's it's not a a niche for me. Uh, I, I work with a lot of clients that want to buy land for future development. Yep. You know, uh, growth potential. Uh, so so in that aspect, yes. Uh, but on the farm end, probably not as much. Yeah, yeah. And so when when which probably brings up probably a different subject too there a little bit. When I'm looking for somebody to help me with that, with my real estate needs, are there niches? You know, are there people that say, "Hey, all I do is uh, commercial property," or "All I do is you know"? Tell me about that a little bit. Hundred uh, percent. You know, uh, agents will focus. There's so there's so much to do in real estate. That it's best to focus in on a couple of areas that you just know really well. Yep. Because there's no way that you can do every niche and know it really well. Yep. 
uh, I don't do a ton of commercial. I, I primarily do residential, uh, and that keeps me really busy. Yep. Uh, I'll do a little bit of commercial here and there for past clients, but it's not my niche. Yep. So same with farms. There are agents that specialize just in that type of uh, situation, uh, and they know it well. Yeah. And well, and my thought would be that as the you'd almost have to right because it's such a broad spectrum of possibilities of what's out there in inventory and correct all kinds of stuff correct and you can't pretend like you know something that you don't know yeah it just it just it doesn't end up helping the client it doesn't do you any good so you know focus on what you know for sure uh, and so give me a sense then in this market. Uh, I would. I expected home prices to really kind of come down when we saw interest rates going up, uh, but I don't know that I'm seeing that necessarily. Are you seeing something different, or are days on market is that getting longer? What What are people experiencing right now? Yeah, well, I mean, kind of coming into this year with interest rates going up at the end of last year over the winter, we kind of figured that it was going to be a flat market this year, and that's not really what we saw. Okay, but again, it was low inventory. Uh, Rates, yeah, rates are higher than what they were, but historically, they're still not that that high from what we saw, you know, years ago. And at the end of the day, like I said, you know, people have to move for job relocation. Someone's getting married. You know, there's all yep. sorts of reasons. And, you know, timing the interest rate is just not, you know, ideal, you know, when, when you have to, when you want to start your life, yep. right? You, you just can't do that. Um, so yeah, um, the market was, we saw prices go up this year. Uh, we're right now we're kind of in the, in the fall, kind of just out of summer heading into fall last year, it was a little flat. So in the fall, I expect that to be the same. That's pretty typical for this time of year. It'll, it'll probably be a little flat. So good time for, again, still a good price for sellers, yep. but, uh, opportunity for buyers too. Okay. Yeah. And give me a sense, uh, you know, so our, the people that we talk to, we, we think of them kind of like single digit millionaires, or, uh, we, we, uh, like to coin the term, they're living kind of a two comma life. And usually that means I've got a little more discretionary income. I'm not just worried about how do I live tomorrow? You know, yeah. I can have some flexibility there. And many times we have our clients that say, man, when I get the kids out of the house or whatever, I'm looking forward to maybe downsizing and not having the, uh, the house we raised the kids in, but many times they find that it's like more expensive almost to downsize than it was with where they were because the townhouse that they want, they've got the vaulted ceilings and the, you know, uh, the high end appliances yeah. that I wanted yeah. and, and it's not necessarily cheaper. Is that, that's what sometimes what we see, is that something you see in your business as well? Or, or what's your experience with that? Yeah. I mean, I think that goes back to just the general lack of inventory and then, Within that, the lack of available ranch homes, townhomes yeah. for buyers to downsize to. So we need more. We need builders to build more yep. because it's it's overall it's a really lack of inventory. So again, you know, sellers may may be a little surprised to see what a price tag is for a ranch townhome because there's there's quite a bit of demand for those. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I I like to even think about my mom when she moved. Uh, you know, I think about her house compared to my house, and her house is maybe, I don't know, half or two-thirds of the square footage mm -hmm. that my house is. And uh, for those who might not know, my mom lives four blocks from me. And so uh, what, what, what I was surprised at was smaller lot, 
no pool, smaller home, which is perfect for her and her husband are absolutely thrilled with it. Uh, but the price did not necessarily reflect that. I mean, her her home value was was really quite high compared to mine, even though I had all of the the other amenities. But it's probably because it was that ranch and just it's it, it is in in that market. You know, that type of property can get sold to uh, somebody looking to downsize and be on one level. It can also be sold to a young family that you know can can work with a ranch and doesn't necessarily need the two. So there's kind of two markets there that that'll work within. Sure. Um, and then of course the lack of inventory with, with ranches, the last thing with that is I would say, um, we find that the buyer of a ranch property just, you know, typically they're, they're downsizing. So they have a little bit more discretionary income to, to spend on that type of a property. Um, and so, so prices are pretty good for those, for those ranches and ranch townhomes. Yeah. And so, so as I look at that though, I shouldn't necessarily think, Hey, I'm selling the big house, going to the smaller house, uh, and I'm going to pocket all this cash. Sometimes that just isn't the case, uh, is what we've seen. And and it sounds like you maybe have seen the same thing. For sure. For sure. But at the same time, you know, with the way the market is, you know, you buy low, you know, if you buy low, if you sell low, you're going to buy low. If you buy high, you're going to sell high. So, you know, it's the same yep. principle. You know, yeah, are you going to spend a little bit more on a ranch now? You are. But you're also going to get a premium price on your home, most likely, sure. whether it's a two-story or a ranch because of the lack of inventory in the marketplace. Sure. Well, yeah, we think that a lot of times it's the same thing even with your more traditional investments or, you know, like stocks, bonds, that kind of stuff, the things that we're working with. Uh, a lot of times people will say, well, is now the right time for me to move my money from here to there because the market's low or opposite market's high? Um, really, it's the same thing. You're selling low and you're buying low. Right. You're selling high and you're buying high. Right. Uh, right. Kind of a lateral move. 100%. And what's your sense around uh, are, P- are more ho- people looking to own their home or are we seeing a, a push towards rental? I mean, there was a, some conversation around people saying, hey, is it really a good investment to own a house or should I just be renting? And uh, especially, you know, coming out of the the crisis of 08, 09 and, yeah. you know, homes have kind of rebound. But if I do the math, maybe I didn't make as much as I thought I would have. What do you see in people's propensity or appetite for, for buy versus rent? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the younger generation are, are comfortable renting. We see that. You know, the, uh, there's some that like to buy, but so there, there's opportunity there, I think. Um, and then just generally speaking, the overall lack of available, uh, I touched on the, the lack yeah. of available rentals, uh, that there's opportunity there too, as well. Okay. Yeah. And as a lot of times our clients, as they live that two come life, think about, should I have a lake house? Should I have the a place where the kids can come and grandkids, we can all enjoy it. Uh, what's your experience around, is it people wanting to buy that second home as they hit retirement. Is that the time that people are doing that or are they doing that earlier in their lives uh, to be prepared for it, you know, as that time comes? Yeah. Usually it's a little bit earlier. It's preparing, it's preparing ahead of time so that, you know, usually when I, when my clients come to me, they'll say, yeah, you know, we, we bought, we bought this place down in Florida, you know, years ago. And now, you know, we're, we're looking to maybe downsize here and get something smaller. So yeah, it's definitely, for the most part, planning ahead and being prepared for when that time comes. Okay. And so obviously uh, anybody that lives in the Lincoln Way, south, southwest suburb of Chicago, you're a great resource for them. Uh, but if I don't live there, if I live somewhere else, 
How do I go about finding a quality realtor and what's the right way to do that uh, if I want to have a transaction or I need somebody? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like your line of work, people come to you for advice. People come to you because they trust you and they want to get good advice from you. Um, and I think it's the same way in our business too, that you want to find somebody that has a track record of success. They've been doing it for some period of time. Um, and they have positive online reviews. So I would start with that. Start with, you know, doing research on, on agents in your area that have, that are, you know, have a track record of success, uh, and that have positive online reviews. That's first and foremost. But, but, but also if you have an agent or, you know, Sometimes I have clients that will say, hey, Dave, we're moving to this market. And I, I mean, they're not licensed there or, you know, it, it's out of my realm of expertise. Sure. And I'll tell them, I can find somebody for you. You know, I can, and I'll do the research for them to say, hey, this is a good agent for you. You know, they've been doing it for 10, 20 years and, you know, they've got a really good track record, record of success. Oh, that's really cool. And so, uh, so if I hear you right, the, the relationship you currently have could be the one that helps to lead you to the next one if you're outside, like you said, outside the area of expertise. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But it's key to have that good local agent on the ground that's going to help you with whatever it's going to be in in real estate. For sure. And I see all these things now about you know Redfin discounted pricing or you know like what's that? I mean, obviously you get what you pay for. And, yeah. Uh, I know I'm kind of. Uh, asking you a question, probably is something you're a little biased on. Uh, you know, do you, do you do kind of a a search via the app, or do you have a realtor? But how does all that come together? You know, if I go to a Redfin, am I not using a realtor? Am I using a realtor? Uh, what's the value add in using? Like, just help me to understand that whole thing. It can be kind of confusing for me. We could do another episode on this one. <laughs> well, uh, maybe we will. We'll have to have you back when we have uh, have mics with a boom and, and uh, all kinds of stuff, right? Well, you know, it's tough. I mean, I I know I work with uh, many different agents that I have relationships with. I I, I think without, without, you know, pinpointing them necessarily, but I think probably one of the biggest problems that we see in our business is just, you know, lack of experience on the other end. Sure. And that affects the transaction. That affects everybody, including my client, the seller or the buyer, and, and, and that uh, that that agent that doesn't have that experience, it affects them. Sure, it, and they may not realize it, but it affects you know what they're ultimately going to take on their home, or it affects how they're going to be able to negotiate that price. That lack of experience in the marketplace uh, is just not helpful for all the parties, including the most important, the buyer and the seller. Sure, it just affects them neg- negatively. I don't know if I answered the question. I uh, tried to. Yeah, yeah. And so help me just even with some of the mechanics with how it works. So like a Redfin, how do they make their money? And, you know, what what am I getting? Like, because it's easy for me to set up a search, but you can also set up a search for me. And, yeah. and I've seen this kind of shift and maybe it's linked, but, but I've seen this shift to like the private network or maybe I got the the wording wrong, but somehow that realtors are actually not using, it's like pre-MLS yeah. or whatever, you know, how does all that stuff work? It just seems like a changing environment or a changing landscape. It is, it is. And just to touch on Redfin, when you said you don't know what you're going to get, you really don't know what you're going to get because you you click a button that says, I'd like to see this home and some agent will get assigned 
to show you that home okay. and literally just kind of open the door for you. They don't know the property. They've most likely they've yep. never been in the property potentially. And so they don't I got know so, much about it. So it's kind of like a, uh, I, I'm, you probably use the wrong words, but it seems to me like it might be like a advertising service, if you will, where I'm a realtor and I can say that I'm going to affiliate with these Redfin listings. And then when, when I click the, Hey, I want to look at this property as a consumer. Whoever is in that pool of those realtors, they're going to be linked with uh, with one of these people that said, "Yeah, I want to do that." Or do the do the realtors actually work for Redfin? Uh, how does that? Yeah, so there there are agents that work specific that are licensed through Redfin. Okay, and so when you go on that site and you click, I'd like to tour this home at twelve thirty today. That's going to be one of the Redfin agents that could. You know, again, I don't, you know, the experience factor, the track record, I don't know, um, but they would get assigned, open the door for you, let you into that property. I gotcha. So that's that's different. uh, I just think about, you know, the way that I've always uh, bought or sold the houses. I had a realtor that I knew. They came in. They gave me uh, some uh, pointers on, hey, take those pictures off the wall or whatever. Right. um, And then help me to list the property. Where this, it's more a... Not that personal relationship. It's somebody that is uh, just kind assigned. of assigned. Yeah. Okay. And to answer your question really quick about the P- the private listing network, that's yeah, yeah. kind of like the pre. I think that's a, a great tool, and a lot of consumers don't know about it. And it's it's a way for it's it's been in our business probably for the, for the past three or four years, but really used primarily in the last two years, just because of the lack of inventory. So sure. normally, if I meet with a seller. And you say, hey, Dave, I'm, I want to prep my home. It's going to take me about two weeks. We'd say, all right, I'll see you in two weeks. We'll photograph it then. Now, because of the lack of inventory, we can list it in that private listing network or the PLN is what we call it. And it gets exposure for that seller for two weeks while they're prepping and getting it ready. Okay. We can do it as a coming soon. Uh, we can also list it and show it and sell it in that two-week period. Okay. And the seller doesn't have to do the prep work that they were going to do. So it's a great avenue to get exposure on your house while you're getting it ready. Yeah, for because sure. Because of lack of inventory. And so through that uh, that PLN, is that something that I have to go through? A, like, is there a certain club you have to be a part of? Does your realtor have to say, yeah, I subscribe to that? Or, or how does that even work? Yeah, so any licensed agent will have access to the, to the PLN. Okay. Um. And I would say, again, that kind of goes back to that experience factor yep. where some of the agents that are newer may not be aware of it, may not be comfortable using it, may not even talk to their clients about it. So that, you know, agents that have been around the block and that that that, that know that that tool will talk to their client about that. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that's really helpful. And because of the tight inventory over the last few years, I mean, I, I would imagine that there's been a lot of action there. I mean, it's not necessarily through the MLS that... You're saying that, and, and if I list on the PLN, it, does it eventually make it to the MLS if it doesn't sell, or how does that the logistics of all that work, Dave? The beauty of the PLN is that if I have your home in there for two weeks, and if it sells, great. If it doesn't sell, and say you know we get showings of no one, no one wants to buy it, we would go live in the MLS, and then and it would be day one of that market time. I got so that you. previous two weeks wouldn't follow us. Yep, it would just be day one, and it would go live in the MLS as well as those outside websites that you consumers can find the property in. For sure. Okay, 
So I've learned a lot this uh, this last little bit. So the things that I really picked up on, though, uh, was when you're talking about really any market, you can find what you're looking for. Don't sit there and think, oh, the market's not quite right. Let me hold off either to buy or sell uh, that really you can, you can do well inside of any market. Uh, and if I heard you correctly, too, uh, sometimes leaning on the experience of a really good realtor uh, can more than pay for itself versus uh, not knowing what you don't know and, and maybe having somebody that doesn't have some of the the experience of the chops that somebody else might. 100%. You summed it up perfectly. I mean, there's opportunity in any market. And yeah, have a good guide. And no, no matter what you do, you need a good guide and they'll, they'll provide those good services for you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on the show uh, very much. And uh, for those of you who want to get in touch with Dave, we'll have all of his contact information and show notes and uh, and you can link to him there. You can also see him. What is it? David Cobb, give me your, give me your website. Uh, well, I've got two, davidjcobb.com or the flashy Cobbs hot properties.com. Hey, go there too. (laughs) (laughs) And and as you do that, look for his avatar. He's got a, uh, a pretty cool avatar. The, the, uh, I told Sarah uh, that I need to figure out how to do that so I can cover up all of this with something that is maybe a little more flattering, but I love uh, my avatar. I don't have to go retake my picture every five years when I get more gray or whatever. So now it's just, yeah, avatar all the way for yeah, me. Yeah, well, yeah. The, I think the thing for me is I just refuse to go gray. So, the, but I guess with a bald head, that that's easy to do. Um, I'm I'm embracing the gray. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Right? That's right. So, thanks for watching this episode. I uh, hope that you got something out of it. Please like and subscribe uh, to our Facebook, YouTube, all the socials that are normally out there. Uh, and we thank you again. Look forward to talking next time. We'll help you live your legacy with confidence. Be well. <laughs>